So uh, I'm really excited to be here in church today. I hope you are too. You've picked an awesome day to be in the house of God. We're going to be starting a brand new, somebody say brand new, brand new sermon series today I'm excited about. It's going to be titled Love. Y'all say that with me. Love, like you're in love, love. Maybe like love with two B's, love. <laughs> and respect. Say that with me, respect. We're going to be talking about love and respect, and where's all my dudes at? If you're a dude, raise your hand. I thought Jessica was going to steal my thunder. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and warn you. You know, she said, you know what month it is. It is February, and so uh, I thought she was leaning into February. You know, February, in a couple weeks, I'm giving you a warning. It is Valentine's Day, so you've been forewarned. I maybe get to warn you one more time next week. Hope we got something cooking, and I got something cooking for my sugar boo up here in the front row, maybe. But uh, I'm getting way off track already. But... Uh, so I'm real excited to, we're going to open up the, 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 the scriptures and open up God's word. We're going to talk about godly love and respect. Did you know that the world should recognize God's children, Christians, by how we walk in love and in respect? It, it should be an identifying factor. You know what? That's a child of God. That's somebody that believes and trusts Jesus. If you're a Christian, you should be the best employee at your workplace. You should love all your employees, all your, your, your workmates. You should respect all the people that you come in contact with, even at Walmart when it gets crazy. When you're busting at Walmart at Friday at like 5, 5 p.m. And you got to walk and, and love and respect. And before we get into the message, you know, I just want to, and we're probably going to dive into some of these, these issues and these things that our culture is dealing with because guys... Our world has perverted what, what authentic love and what authentic respect is. And if we're not careful and if you're not following God and you're not reading your word every day and you're not in prayer, you'll begin to do love the way the world does love. And you'll begin to respect the way the world does respect. What does the world say? Respect them when they respect you. You know, that don't drive with God's word. Or you know what? Just love them as long as they make you feel loved. They, they can't make you feel loved anymore? Find somebody else. And we wonder why all our relationships are broken. We wonder why divorces, sky, percentages, and rates are skyrocketing. And it's because God calls us to pre-decide, I'm going to walk and live in love. I'm going to pre-decide that no matter what, I'm going to walk and live in respect. And love and respect, they play off each other. If you want to be liked, live in love, and people will like you. If you want to be respected, respect others, right? And so we're going we're gonna to kind of unpackage a lot of this these next couple weeks, and I'm excited to. But for today, and for the sake of Valentine's Day, like I said, in a couple weeks today, somebody say today, we are going to focus our, our, our time together today and our, and our studying in the focusing and talking about marriage. If you're married, raise your hand. Look at all those hands. God bless you in Jesus' name. Who receives it? Who receives it? Amen, right? And so if you're single, raise your hand. Praise God. God bless you. God bless you. And so if you're married, I'm sorry, I didn't know he was coming to a marriage conference today. It's okay. It'll be good. And if you're single, I don't want you to check out because God wants to do some things in you also, right? 
He wants, it doesn't matter who you are, where you are. God's word it will stand and, it'll, and it will help us all learn and grow what he has for each and every one of us, no matter what season we're in. Amen. So as we get started, I want to read one little quick scripture with you, and then we're going to get into our big, our big chunk of scripture today. But let's turn to Genesis, if you've got your Bibles. Chapter 2, verse 24. I want to just read that one, one verse real quick as we're talking about marriage today. And so if you want to start with a, with a topic, a theme, an issue, you've got to figure out what God says about that thing, right? So verse 24, it says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. Okay? And they, and some translations say, and the two shall uh, come together and become one flesh. Let me stop there for a moment. I, I want to say that today marriage, God's version of marriage is under attack. It says that a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall be joined together and become one flesh. The two, that doesn't mean three or four or five or six, and I know we laugh, but there's some people that do relationships that way. I might get real here in church. And it says the man is joined to his wife. And so we have men marrying men. We have women marrying women. God's word is very clear. It says that homosexuals will not inherit the kingdom of God, along with about 10 other things that he lists, murderers and adulterers and idol worshipers. We have men identifying as women marrying a woman who identifies as a man, and now I'm getting all lost and confused. That's what happens, guys. We're born into sin. We will confuse ourselves and follow sin as far as it will take us. And so we have to remember, if something is under attack, you got to know the value in that. God places value in marriage. God places value in your marriage. If you've been married one year, 10 years, 20 years, God sees the value in that marriage. And the, everything that the enemy is trying to, to tear apart, God has joined together. He says, let no man separate. But you got to stand on him and stand on his promise for your marriage and for your life and for your faith and for your family. If you're married, you got to be willing to fight. you got to be willing to fight. Because if you do marriage the way the world does marriage, when they, when they stop satisfying you, you just say, well, this is getting too hard. We've been married how long, Sugar Boo? Six and a half years? Our marriage is great. It's not perfect, but we've had some, some tough moments. And if we didn't build our relationship on the foundation that is Christ, we, we maybe wouldn't have made it this far. We won't make it before he calls us home. And so we got to know what marriage is under attack. And marriage, it says that the two shall become one flesh. Marriage is the join together of two people. Let me get back on topic. And so putting God aside, I, we're in church, so I know that y'all know church or God is the number one reason in joining a man and a wife, right? He's, he's, he's the most important thing. If you put God in the center between two people and they both focus their lives on him, the They'll meet together in the middle, right? Putting God aside as that being the given factor, I want you to know that love and respect, if God joins us together, love and respect are going to be the two things that keep you glued together. And so I'm excited to unpackage that today, how important and how powerful it is for your spouse to live and walk in love and respect as it is important for you 
to walk in love and respect. It actually starts with us first. It starts with you. Take your finger and point yourself like this. Say this with me. It's got to start with me. Mm, am I stepping on some toes yet? If I want love and respect, I got to be the grown-up one and initiate loving others. I got to be the grown-up one, the mature one, and initiate respecting others. And when you do that by faith, love and respect will come back to you. All right. So let's look at that first point today. If you got your outline, I'll give you the fill in blanks. If you're following along, we got the the um, the point there for you online or on our screens. It says, so marriage is God's idea and it's holy. Say that word holy with me. Holy. God, it's God's idea and it's holy. Marriage is the context for all loving, intimate, and sexual relationships between one man and one woman. One man and one woman. Marriage is the goal that should be pursued, not avoided, and intimacy is intended to progress. First thing I want to say as we unpackage this point, marriage is holy. The Bible says that the marriage bed is undefiled. If you were married in the sight of God, under his authority, under his protection, under his umbrella of blessing, God sees marriage as holy. He sees it as the joining and the blending together of two people. Think of this. The joining of two becoming one. One man, one woman. This man's got, he's got these ideas, and he's got this personality. The woman's got these ideas and this personality. He's got these gifts and these talents, and she's got these gifts and these talents. And God joins them together to become one for the sole purpose of giving God the glory. Here's the thing, in the beginning, and I'm not talking about Genesis, in the beginning of your relationship, if you were married, man, love and respect came natural. Man, you was in love. L-U-U-B-B, love. Everything you said, she ate it up, didn't, they, didn't she, guys? I tell I told this people we've been married six and a half years now. I feel like I don't have one good idea. <laughs> she loved all my ideas in the beginning. Oh, that sounds like such a great idea, babe. Yeah, yeah. I got an idea now about our kids or this or that. Where I want to go eat? That, no. <laughs> I got some amens from the guys. When you're dating it, when you're dating, it's all gravy, baby. And then a mortgage, and two car, par, car payments, and two and a half kids, three and a half kids, four kids, I don't know, later. It's like, who are you? Right? And if you're not careful and you don't keep God number one, and you don't live and walk in love and respect, it won't be that glue that keeps you together. Because God joins us together, and it's, it's marriage, that confines, that, that definition of that relationship is good and holy and pleasing to God. It says marriage is the context for all loving, intimate, and sexual relationships between one man and one woman. I'm so glad that me and Jessica, as we were dating, we remained pure. We dated for a year and a half. That's hard to do this day and age. The world does it backwards. Because you know what? That's... 
Let's uh, sleep together first. I need to know if, I won't know if I love you unless I sleep with you first. And then we can talk. And then they probably get the goods and then they say, how sad. Broken relationships, broken people, broken hearts. Because so many are not following God, not doing marriage the way God designed it. The way God wants it to be. Because marriage is holy. Marriage is to be pursued. And don't stop there. I'm glad that we dated with a purpose, right? We dated with the intention of getting married. Now, we had a date, and we figured out we liked each other first. Man, she asked me a lot of questions. I must have answered them all right. And here we are, right? But we, we dated with, with an intention. We dated purposely. As we crossed the barriers and we passed tests, and God blessed it. Marriage is to be pursued. The world's, the world's doing that backwards, too. It says, date as many people as you can. Sleep with as many people as you can. You better get yours now, because when you get married, your life's over. I hear people say that all the time. Marriage is the best part of my life. If you're married to the right person. Now, we married for, or not married, we dated for as long as we did because in my heart I knew marriage is forever. God, God, God placed that in my heart. I knew who I was going to, even when I was a sinner living in sin before I was born again, before I gave my life to Jesus. In, in my heart, I felt like, you know what, I'm not going to do marriage when my parents did because my parents were divorced and it crushed me as a kid. Really, a lot of the root issues of my addiction, a lot of the root issues of my problems were rooted in that. And so even in my sin, I saw the value of marriage, and so I said, I'm not going to do it that way. So now I'm born again. I believe in God. I, I want to marry the right person. I'm going to be intentional because marriage is going to be forever for me. I'm thankful I'm married to the woman I'm going to be married to for the rest of my life. And so marriage is to be pursued. It should be something that excites us. So if you're single, stay the course. Be faithful. Trust God. I know it can be tough. I know it can be hard and some lonely nights, lonely days. If you trust God, God will send you the right person. But, somebody say but. If God will send somebody in your life, so I say be patient. You better know the enemy will send somebody in your life too. Oh, this might be the one. You better vet that person. I feel like that's what Pastor Jessica and I did. She had vetted some people in her life. And I had vetted some people in my life, and we were going to make sure that these, this is what God wants. And praise God, I'm thankful. After you get married, where's all my married folks again? Now, this is for us today. Think how hard you pursued your spouse. Are you still pursuing them every single day with that type of vigor, that type of energy? Now, I get it. I know. We work full time. We may be living in the same house for five years. Maybe it's always a mess. There's always something to do. There's always something broken. But we've said this too. Now we have two kids, and I want to I demonstrate this for my two boys that, you know what? She did come before them. And <laughs> Amen for my wife up here. And so, and the best thing I can do for them as young boys growing up is to see how daddy and mom do marriage. And so if I value her, if I love and respect her, then they will find a spouse, a godly spouse that wants to be loved and respected the way God wants them to be loved and respected. 
And, and that's been challenging for us. I'm not saying we're perfect. You know, we added another, uh, he's to be 10 months this month, this last year. Some of our toughest days were this last year. With one kid, life changes, but you, you adapt and you overcome. And it becomes all about your kids, but I feel like we did a good job of doing date nights and doing those special things. Then you add two, and it's like I blew up the whole thing. <laughs> Start all over with this whole scheduling and everything. And so I'll raise both my hands. You know, I fa- I, I, there was a couple months this last year where I, I really failed my wife. But I, I'm trying to rectify that, right? And I want to make sure that she knows that she's still number one other than Jesus. Jesus, then your spouse. And if you're disappointed all the time, you've probably put Jesus, or excuse me, well, you put Jesus to the side and you're looking for that person to be your God. Does, we're human. And so let's look at our, our this is going to be our, our foundational scripture for the rest of this message for the next couple weeks. So let's, let's look at Ephesians 5. I'm going to give you about nine verses as we're talking about marriage. So we need to see what God says to us married folks. And so look what Paul says here in Ephesians 5. We're going to read through about 29, 20 through 29. So it says, And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and further submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. For husbands is the head of the wife just as Christ head of the church. Excuse me. He is the Savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up for her his life. He gave up, excuse me, he gave up his life for her. So make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she'll be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body but feeds it and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church. I know there's a lot there to unpackage. Let me try to help us do that today. Paul is saying in Ephesians 5, in a marriage relationship, that it will always cost you something. Let me say that again. In a marriage relationship, it will always cost you something. So if you get married to see what the other person can give you, I'm sorry, but they're going to run out. (laughs) They'll eventually run out of that magical thing that you think that they have. And if they're not standing on Christ and they're not serving Christ, it's not going to work. Because we have two flawed individuals, because since Adam and Eve sinned, sin entered the world. And so we need Christ. And so Paul is saying, wives, you must submit to your husbands in the same way that the church is to submit to Christ in reverence before Christ. And if you're single, I told you not to check out because... Biblically, biblically, the church, the body of believers, is the bride of Christ. He's our bridegroom. When I was single before me and Jessica got together, I literally, I literally lived my life as the bride of Christ. That's what I tried to do. I actually used to wear a little ring that I had made and had it inscribed. It didn't have Jesus on there, but it had, had Enri, what they put above Jesus' cross, Enri. 
And it was a reminder every day, you know what, I'm married to Jesus. I'm single and I'm married to Jesus. I'm not going to do these things. I'm not going to look at these things as a reminder. So if you're single, you need to learn how to be married to Jesus. As we become married and we, we get really married to a spouse, we need to, we need to stay married to Jesus. But now I'm married to this person. And so he says you must submit wives unto your husbands as, as the church submits unto Christ. And he says for men you need to love your Wives, as Christ loved the church, he died for her. And so every now and again, I'll, I'll just say this, and it's not good advice, guys, but I'll, every now and again, I'll just tell Jessica, say, submit, woman. And it doesn't work. <laughs> never works. Don't talk. I'm never being serious. But silly boy. You have to remember, guys, let me draw us back and get serious. We have to remember that Adam came first. Did you know that? God made Eve from Adam. And so, guys, if you're feeling disrespected, God still calls you to love first. Because you're the man. He calls you to love first. When Adam and Eve sinned, Eve's the one that actually sinned. But God placed the, re the repercussions of that sin on Adam because she was his responsibility. So if you feel disrespected, it may be because you're failing in loving her. And so if you can love her first, maybe the respect will come. And so love and respect, they play off each other. Paul's telling us that marriage relationship will always cost you something Women, it's going to cost you loving his ideas again. <laughs> it's going to cost you respecting him when he's maybe being unrespectful because he had a long day at work. It's going to cause you to be respectful when he does share, begin to share his heart. He shared his heart and you hurt his feelings, disrespected him, and now you wonder why he never opens up anymore. A disrespected man becomes a deflated man. So it'll cost you something. Men, it's going to cost you what it cost Jesus. You need to love your, your wives sacrificially. He laid his life down for her. Christ for the church. You laid your life down for her when you were dating. Continue to lay your life down for her now that she bore you three kids. And she does all the laundry and the dishes, picks up their toys, does the schedules, does the bottles. I may be talking about my wife. <laughs> I'm a blessed man. I ain't done laundry in a long time. So it's going to cost us each something, both parties something. We must always be striving to give what the other person is needing. Do you see the needs in your spouse? And if you see their needs, are you ignoring them? Because you're hurt, you're offended. Or do you see their needs and are you, are you pursuing them? Look at that next point. So God com commands us to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. He is teaching us how to honor, empower, and connect to one another, in our marriage relationships, and even in other relationships. I want you to think outside of marriage even for a moment. On a spiritual life-giving level. Paul in Ephesians 5 is, is telling us relationships are going to cost us to do them God's way. 
because God wants everything. And if we can do relationships the way God calls us to do relationships, you'll connect. You'll have real connection with real people. People will know that you really love them because you've shown them. You didn't just tell them. People will know that you really respect them because you've shown them. You're not just telling them. Because it's going to cost you something. The issue is, when we read this scripture in Ephesians 5, and I know it's, it's a flesh check. Right? Do I really believe in God? And if I do, I always submit to Him. Now, never submit to somebody if they're living in sin and they're trying to tell you to do things that you're not supposed to do, right? But submit to your authority at work. Authority is a representation of the goodness and the authority of God. As long as they're not telling you to, to sin or do something that goes against what you believe in the word of God, then you must submit. In a marriage relationship, we must submit to one another. Wives, you're to submit to your husbands. But there are moments, men, when you need to submit to your wife because guess what? She hears from the Lord too. And you just want to do what you want to do because you're the man and you're supposed to submit to me. But did you really pray about it? Maybe she did and she's hearing something else. That's why we need to come together and talk. You need to talk. And so a lot of us stop at that word submit, but we need to see that word submit as an opportunity of great reverence. An opportunity of great honor and respect for others. Because when I submit to somebody else and the reverence before Christ, it does something to the other person. Do you see that? If they know that you submitted and you listen to them and you love them and respect them out of submission of reverence because of your faith in Christ, something will happen on the inside of them. They'll say, oh my gosh, they're giving me honor. They're listening to me. They're, they're validating my opinions. They're, they're seeing what I'm saying. They're seeing where I'm going. They're seeing the problems, the issues. They're, they're not just seeing, they're listening to me. They're trying to help me. So when we need to see that word submit as an opportunity to give that other person honor. Look, let's read, uh, go back and read Ephesians 5, 20 through 21, just for some clarity here. Look, we've already read it, but let's read it again. It says, And give thanks to everything, for everything, to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus. And further, what? Submit, submit to one another. It says, Submit to one another out of reverence for. So when we submit, to, this is what you got to get. When you submit to somebody else, you're not submitting to the person. You're not saying you're right and I'm wrong. That's why we have a submission issue. Because if I submit, that means they're right. Dang it. I'm wrong. If you submit out of reverence before Christ, you're not submitting to them, guys. You're submitting to him. He gets the glory. You get promoted spiritually, and they get promoted spiritually. That's a win-win. I love and respect others because God first loved and respected me. Mm, think of your BC days when you were a mess in your pigsty. Are you thankful that Jesus still loved you? And respected you when you weren't being lovable. You definitely weren't being respectable. 
You lied and cheated and stealed and lied about others and gossiped. And there was a moment of clarity somewhere in the fray, somewhere in the, the mess, the love and the respect of Christ came alive in your life. So don't forget that as you do life. Because you never know what kind of day that other person is having. And so love them when they're being unlovable. Respect them when they're being unrespectable. Don't respect just the person. You, everyone needs love and respect, but do the submission part unto God, not unto the individual. Go to that next point. And so men and women have been, we've been all created, crafted by God, right? Really hardwired by God. We're, we're different. We tick different. Women tick a certain way. Men tick a certain way. And each have a core value that reveals our deepest need. And we're going to talk about this here in a moment, about love and respect. And you can probably guess which one's deepest need is which. We'll dive into that here in a moment. But I just want to say, men and women, we're equal. Right? We're equal in the eyes of God, but we're not the same. I'm glad we're not the same. Because you know what's so cool? This is so true in our marriage. Every person has blind spots, man or woman. Every person has weaknesses, man or woman. And I feel like if you marry the right person, God will join together your blind spots with that person's strengths. And they'll join together your strengths with their blind spots and their weaknesses to make you both stronger. Because you each have needs. And you each have gifts. And you each have talents. And you have a ministry gift that God wants to use in and through the church. So generally, he, you see it all the time. Worship leaders generally get married to other musicians, right? Because God wants to do something bigger and grander and more awesome. And, and Pastor Jessica had a call in her life to, to be a pastor, and I had a call in my life. It really scared me early on. It, it really scared me. I was like, you really want me to, to go do things like that? And God really used my wife to begin to push me outside of my comfort zone a little bit and draw out those things that God had placed inside of me. And so we're, we're all different, but we all have, we've been created and, and hardwired with, with, with different needs. God wants, he can fill every need, but he wants to use that person that you end up with to help fulfill those needs. Does that make sense? And so when God joins us together, he intends to strengthen each other's weaknesses. If you're married, I want you to write this down today. If that's true, you say, Pastor Ian, that's so true. I want you to write this down. Are you fulfilling your spouse's needs? And if not, Why? Do you see the needs, but you're withholding out of spite, out of revenge? I took the trash out last time. Don't say you never thought that. <laughs> I did the dishes last time. Don't say you never thought that. I'm thankful my God didn't withhold anything on that cross. So in Ephesians 5, it says, men love your wives as Christ loved the church. That means you pour yourself out for her continually. 
women, when he says, submit to your husbands as the church submits unto Christ, that means it's a continual daily process. Do you see your spouse's needs and are you filling them? Look at Ephesians 5. We're going to stay in Ephesians 5. Let's go to verse 31 33. It says, As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united to one. Hmm, that sounds familiar. Did we read that already? Paul's referencing Genesis 2.24. Straight up cliff note. Right? Then verse 32, he says, This is a great mystery, but it's an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again, I say, each man must love his wife. This is what I want you to underline. What's the title of our message? Love and respect. So look what Paul says in verse 33. So I say again, he speaks to the men first. Men, you must... Love your wife. There's that magical phrase. If you're a man, I want you to highlight that, underline that. As he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Women, I want you to underline that for today. Men, God commands you to love your wife. Women, God commands you to respect your husband. I want to look at that next point. What you got to see is, love is what unlocks, men, love is what unlocks the respect that you desire. God placed inside of every man the desire to respect it. Men, we live on a respect code, right? When us men are together doing manly stuff, when we watch the Super Bowl and eat chicken wings and do the thing, we live on a respect code. You disrespect me, we got a problem. That's the need that God placed inside of me. I'm hardwired for that. Guess what? Women aren't hardwired that way. God made women with the need and the desire to be loved. And to be cherished. When women get together and they love to talk and they love to do all this stuff. And they, I don't know how they do it. They talk about this and this and this and this. They can't, I don't know how they get anything accomplished. But when they're with their girls, they just feel loved. And they feel accepted. And they hear what I'm saying. And they see my heart. And it's also good and we got hugs. And life is great. I didn't know. I'm speaking for women. So my wife said it was accurate. I'm just going based off of what I see. And so there's a... There's two different needs, and God calls us to be joined together and to do our best, somebody say best, to meet them. So look what that point says. It says, every need, every need, everyone needs love and respect, but love unlocks a woman's soul, allowing her to be the best version of herself, just as respect unlocks a man's soul, allowing him to be the best version of himself. And we're, we're actually pulling this from a book. It's actually titled Love and Respect. And if this message is like really, you've really enjoyed the message so far today, I'd, I'd, I'd encourage you to get this book. It's titled Love and Respect by Dr. M Emerson Eggersh. Eggersh. <laughs> Eggericks. Eggericks. It's a weird last name. It's a great book for your marriage. But he, he writes the whole book based upon this perspective that every man needs to see that need in his wife to be loved. And if I can love her, go out of my way to routinely show her that she's loved, that she's cherished, then that respect that is fleeting me will find its way to me. Because when I first love her, she'll begin to see and she'll begin to respect me. I said at the beginning of this that marriage, God's definition of marriage is under attack, right? I just shared about how women love hanging out with their girls because they feel loved and how men, when they hang out with their men, they love it because generally they feel respected. And isn't it funny 
It's not funny. It actually makes me mad and disgust. I'm disgusted by it. But how the enemy has used that, do you see where I'm going with this? To pervert God's way of doing marriage. Because I feel like we have an epidemic of homosexuality in our nation. And a woman's done relationship after relationship after relationship with a man, and he just can't seem to get it. He never makes me feel loved. I've tried, I've tried, I've tried. But when I'm with this other woman, she gets me. She loves me the way that I want to be loved. She gets me. And I believe the enemy is having his way with so many people to say, you know what, I'm going to do this. Men too. I wonder how many men. You know what? I can't get respect at home, but when I'm with this guy or this friend, he respects me. So I'm going to try this. So try your best, women, to respect your man. And men, love your woman. A woman's deepest need is to be loved. A man's deepest need is to be respected. They unlock each other. You got to see that they unlock each other. And if you say, you know what, I, I've been doing this. I, I've been respecting them for like a whole day and nothing changed. <laughs> Have some patience. And as you step out in faith, pray. I know we need God to change us first, right? God, we need to have your perspective change me first. But you can still pray for God and the Holy Spirit to reveal truth to them. Yes. Say, I'm doing this in love. Yeah. Or guys, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out on a limb. I'm doing this in love. Or women, I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to begin to start respecting them. And I need you, Holy Spirit, to reveal to them that I did this out of sacrificial love. Out of sacrificial respect. And I bet the Holy Spirit will show it to them. And I bet something will change inside them. And I bet you'll get all warm and mushy and gooey just in time for Valentine's Day. <laughs> You're like, oh my gosh, I went to church like one day, and now my whole marriage has been restored. Are you glad you came to church today? Right? Just in time for Valentine's Day. Look at John 15, 12 through 13. I'm going to wrap up here. Get close. So this is my commandment. Love each other in the same way. This is Jesus, right? I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. I know he's talking about friends, but what you got to see is that sacrificial commitment. Jesus said there is no greater love than sacrifice. Did Jesus demonstrate that sacrificial love for us? He paid it all. And it's that hard for you to go clean the car for Take out the trash for her a couple times. Take her on a date. Buy her some flowers. That ain't sacrifice compared to what Jesus sacrificed. Amen. It's not all that hard. But it's all rooted in that sacrificial love. He said there's no greater love than to lay down. To submit. To give it all. Look at that last point for today. Love will always cost you. Real authentic love will always cost you. God in his wisdom created a supernatural dependency that requires humility and sacrifice for all relationships to thrive. He asks us to give what doesn't come natural because he wants us to live supernatural lives. If we're honest, freely giving love and respect to every single person 
every single day does not come naturally to you or me, right? Maybe a little more natural after I have had my caffeine (laughs) and my prayer time and my Bible time, but it doesn't come natural. Here's the good news, though. God doesn't want you to have a natural life. He wants you to have a supernatural life. Come on, somebody. Can I get an amen? Amen. He don't want you to look like everybody else. He wants you to be the salt and the light. He wants you to have some flavor. Do you got some flavor in your life? Do you got some flavor in your love life? Do you you shine light in the darkness? Because God wants you to do supernatural things that don't come natural. The things he's calling you to do, you can't do them alone. To love your wife sacrificially, guys, you can't do it alone. You need Jesus. Women, you can't respect your husband every single day alone. You need Jesus. To live a supernatural life will require you to see beyond yourself. Because at times will be hard. Nevertheless, my will, but your will. We've got last scripture for today. I wanted to leave this on a, sort of a high note for us today. Look at Luke 10, 25 through 27. It says, one day an expert of religious law came and stood up to test Jesus. I love this. By asking him this question. He said, teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? Man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and your strength, and your mind. He's actually referencing the exact scripture from Deuteronomy 6, 5. And he says more. He says, and love your neighbor as yourself. He's referencing Leviticus 19, 18. Thinks he's pretty smart. Generally, when somebody tests Jesus, he rebukes them. But Jesus, look at his response to this man. He says, right, you are right. Jesus told him, do this and you will live. He says, do this. He says, you see it. You've heard from my, you get it. Do this and you'll have eternal life. I'm going to talk about eternal life here in a moment as we close. But married folks and even single folks, we have to see the importance of loving God with everything that you have. And if you do that and love your neighbor as you want to be loved, as yourself, the benefits of heaven your marriage will be better you'll be a better employee you'll walk in joy you'll have confidence you'll have boldness if you can serve the Lord with everything that you have you don't withhold from him because he didn't withhold from you you don't withhold from your spouse because Christ didn't withhold from you you'll reap the benefits of heaven and somebody say and have eternal life. Man, that's some good news. Give Jesus a hand. That's good news, right? I get an awesome life and I get to go to heaven. Praise God. I want to close this. As we get ready to close, I want you to close your eyes and pray with me today. What I'd like to do is, if you're married, I want you to slip your hands up again. I see all those hands. I want to pray for you. Father God, I thank you for all these married folks in here, married men and women in here, and I I think that what you've joined together, let no man separate. And I pray that something happened here today, that we see the needs and the value in in our spouses, 
And I pray that we would begin to be moved in faith and we would unlock each other's needs. I pray that these men would unlock that love need, the love tank, fill up their spouse's love tank today in Jesus' name. And I pray that spouses, women, wives would begin to fill their husband's respect tank today and see their husbands come alive, begin to respond in faith again. Lord, I, I pray it right now in, in faith, and I pray you release it from heaven in Jesus' name, the faith to live in faith. If you're single, I want you to lift your hands up. Single hands. I want to impart strength to you. Father God, I, I pray supernatural strength for my single folk. I've been there. I know there's tests and trials every day, everywhere. And so I pray they'd be consecrated unto the Lord. I pray that they would love you with everything that they have. I pray that they would vet their relationships, that they would be on purpose about the people that they allow into their lives, and especially into their inner circle of relationships. In the Lord of those hands, I ask that in Jesus' name. If you are born again, last thing I want to do is I never want to preach a message. So we're talking about eternal life at the end of the day, allowing someone to accept Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. And so if you're born again, you say, and I've been in a relationship with, with God through His Son, I want you to pray for the lost right now, please. Pray for the lost world. Pray that somebody receive Christ today. And so on the flip side of that coin, if you're here today or you're watching us online, and I know we talked about marriage all day today, and you say, I, Pastor Ian, I, I don't know where I'd go today if I was to get in a car wreck or die. I, I, I don't know. I, I want you to have faith to know that you can know that it's going to be okay. That, you know what, by faith you did something that says, I believe in Jesus. As we talked about marriage, your first step has to be, am I married to Jesus? So if you're here today or watching this online and the answer to that question is no, you are not married to Jesus. He doesn't have a say in what you do. He doesn't have a say in where you go. He doesn't have a say in how you use your words. If he doesn't have a say, you're not married to Jesus. And so if you say, I want to get married to Jesus today, I want to accept him as my personal Lord and Savior, your time has come. No one's looking at you. What I want you to do is physically right now, stand up. Physically stand up to say, hey, I hear God's dealing with my heart. I want to accept him as my Lord and Savior right now today. Be the best decision you've ever made, I promise you. I'll give you a few seconds. No one's standing. If you want to, want to today, I'm going to give you a few moments. If you're with us online, put something in the chat for us to say, I make a decision. I'm praying, I'm standing, I'm, a, I'm going to get married to Jesus today and make him my Lord and Savior. Amen. A few seconds, a few seconds. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, no one's standing here in our sanctuary, but somebody could be online. So I want to leave this all in a prayer. Let's say it loud and proud today. Let's say it like this. Heavenly Father, God, forgive me for I'm a sinner. Give me your grace, your love and respect to get up out of my pig pen. And to live for you. We accept your son Jesus. We believe that he is. We confess that he is Lord of my life. Pray this in faith. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Give Jesus one more big hand. Praise God. I don't know about you, but I'm glad I came to church today. Yeah, we're glad you came too. So y'all are officially dismissed. All right, if maybe this was your first time, your new delivery, make sure you come back and see me and Pastor Jessica back in our guest area. We'd love to give you a free gift. We also have your tax stuff back there. If you need to get that for taxes, your giving statements, make sure you get it on your way out.